So how, on God's gray earth, did this... Across the USA, then everybody be served, like California, And this... I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. And even this. Down in Coca-Cola. Aruba, Jamaica, Boo, I wanna take it to Bermuda, Bahama, come on, pretty mama, Key Largo, Montego, baby, why don't we go Become this. look at that one album that sticks out in an artist's discography like a sore thumb. Maybe their best album, it may be their worst album. But either way, it's that one album where the artist was so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. This week on the panel we have... Logan Renard, Matthew Marr, and my name is Scott Livingston. We are continuing with the August of Summer here on Detours and Outliers. And <laughs> this is Summer's quintessential band, uh, the Beach Boys, going down to Key West and Margaritaville with their parrothead friends and looking for that lost shaker of salt. It's their 1992 album, Summer in Paradise. So last episode, we talked about uh, Beach Boys Love You, which came out about... 15 years after their first album and this album came out 15 years after that that last album was mostly a brian wilson solo project that got hijacked by the rest of the band and they put their name on it this album has the uh curious distinction of being the only beach boys album without any new brian wilson input whatsoever so i guess we should talk about the rest of the beach boys can we even name them I'm not sure about this album. Um, I do know there's there's uh, two brothers, yes, Carl and Dennis. But was Dennis dead by this time? Dennis had died in 1982 or three. Yes. Okay, so Dennis Dennis the drummer is no more. Yes. And and uh, and the only surfer in the band. Correct? Yes. Yeah. And there was Al Jardine. Yes, a neighbor of theirs, family friend. Yes. And Mike Love. Mike Love. Uh, Cousin of Brian and Carl and Dennis. Cousin and, and the guy who liked to stand without an instrument. Yes. And um, and then apparently there's other people. Yes, there's Bruce Johnston, whose uh, main claim to fame is, uh, you know, that song, I Write the Songs by Barry Manilow? Oh, yes, yes. Barry didn't write that. Bruce did. <laughs> That's 
impressive. So there you go. Yes. He he filled in for Brian on stage when Brian was at home to uh, shell shock to go out on stage and been in and out of the band ever since. Was he the bass player then? It, he would held held the bass. Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> on stage, he that was his job. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, apparently, at this point in the band's history, uh, Mike Love had taken over pretty much. Al Jardine was uh, on time out or something because he didn't like something that Mike said. Um, Carl was very limitedly involved, but Mike didn't need them anymore because a couple years earlier, he and his producer friend Terry Melcher had taken a uh, song from John Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas fame, added a chorus, and it became a surprising hit from the Kokomo, oh, oh from the cocktail yes. soundtrack Kokomo. So for the first time, Mike felt like he didn't need Brian, and that's kind of where this album came from. And so, yeah, I did notice that he and Carl do most of the singing on this. Yes. And that's because they're the only ones... Still in the band. Still in the band, gotcha. Well, I mean, Al is still technically in the band, but he is on a, yes, on a break or a leave, and Brian is busy fighting in court to, you know, disentangle his uh, life from the evil Dr. Landy, as well as fighting a uh, court case where Mike Love uh, said that he wrote all the lyrics to all the famous songs and not Brian, which, given the lyrics on The Beach Boys Love You... I hate to do it, but I agree with Mike on that one. <laughs> yeah, I did know that there was some controversy uh, um, amongst the boys um, about um, their hit. What was it? Um, um, Surfing Safari or Surfing USA? I think it was. One of them, yes. Yeah, one where they, they name a lot of, uh, in one of those where they name a lot of surfing spots. It, yeah. Uh, surfing spots. And uh, I guess Brian claimed that um, uh, Dennis told him the names yeah. and he compiled them. But Mike insists that no, that he came up with the names. Yeah. Well, Mike and, and Brian have disagreed about most everything yes. their entire career. So. And then Al or, um, or Carl did, did chime in and say, it's kind of hard to believe Mike because he never surfed ever. So how would he know where these places were? But yeah, you know, um, but it was hard to breathe Brian at this point either. Cause he was, a. Uh, a catatonic right. mess. So he, he lost that lawsuit and. Oh, so I guess it was, it's up to the courts to decide. It's then. up to yeah. the courts to decide. And Mike yes. Love's name has been put on several of these songs, including most of the uh, Beach Boys Christmas albums. So, wow, that's gotta be a chunk of change. I would think. Yeah. Well, Brian's dad also sold the rights to the Beach Boys music in 1969 for about uh, $60,000. Wow. Yeah, he was convinced, ah, the Beach Boys are over. No one's going to want this crap. You're a horrible person, Brian. I'm selling your songs without your permission. He is a great guy. He's, <laughs> a, he's a great dad. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think people are going to laugh at, at all, all the artists who are selling their entire catalogs to hypnosis right now um, for seemingly <laughs> crazy amounts of money, but... Hundreds who, of thousands. Who, who knows? No, I mean hundreds of millions. millions yes. Well, it, could but, be, it could be the other way. Those people may never recoup their, yeah, that, their, that's, their money. That's possible, <laughs> but I just, I'm laughing about that because there, there are stories of people selling. Yeah, yeah no, they're publishing back into the day, in the day for what seemed like 
a fair or crazy amount of money for what they you know thought they had only to yeah, yeah, yeah I wonder, totally screwed on that i mean i wonder it, if 69 60,000 was was a lot i mean it was a no, lot of money, it was insulting it was, and and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah sent brian into as usual a depression where oh. he stayed in bed for a long time oh. he does that a lot yeah yeah well yeah. you know there's yeah. something to be said for getting a good night's rest there you go um with um um Go ahead. Okay. So Kokomo came out in 89, and uh, an album was quickly cobbled together around it called Still Cruisin'. But unlike, say, Smile or Adult Child or Bamboo or Laid in Hawaii, this one actually got finished despite the fact there weren't enough songs. They dumped in a couple of oldies just because they were on, like, Good Morning Vietnam or whatever, so... The theme of the album was supposed to be songs from movies, but, you know, neither Brian or Al cared and they just wrote new songs, but not enough for a whole album. But after that, that's when Mike and his uh, producer, Terry Melcher, who you may know as um, Doris Day's son, mm. produced a lot of the uh, Birds early albums. So he has a bit of a pedigree. I yeah, guess. yeah. He he was the one that, um, you know, hung out the most with Charles Manson. I mean, it was alleged that they went to his old house thinking he still lived there the night of the uh, gruesome murders, although it's later been confirmed that they were still chatting even afterwards, Terry Melcher and Charlie. Oh, man. Well, yeah. So um, um, I'm not sure who that says more about Charlie or or Terry. uh, Terry, Yeah. That um, I did read that this was the 27th studio album from the Beach Boys. Is that correct? That is correct. And um Almost the last. There's been two cents. So they, they, they came out with 27 albums in roughly 30 years? Yeah. Well, like in the early days, like 1964, from like October of 63 to October of 64, they put out five albums in a one-year period. So, wow. yeah, they were, uh, they were cranking them out in the old days. Yeah. Well, like I mentioned in the last episode... If you look at their discography over time, despite all the crazy lineup changes and drama and things like that, there there's not a lot of big gaps where they don't. It, it, you know, it's not like they went away for like thirty years or something and had a, a, a nostalgia yeah. tour kind of thing. Well, after I mean, they did that, but yeah. <laughs> but they, no. they they crank out albums pretty consistently for a long time. Yeah, and this was the one that sort of killed it. After this, they did a country album where they had country artists guest, and they would just sing backing vocals on uh, their old hits. When was that one? That was 94, 95, so like, you know, Garth Brooks era. Did they beat Ween to it? or uh, I think just barely? Just barely, but after that, they all, they did a reunion in 2012, and that was it. Wow. Yeah, so, yeah. Then, um, and then, and then uh, the the final album that they did, Brian did participate in. Yeah, no, there was right? a, a rare reunion of of Brian and Mike, which you know quickly, of course, fell apart again. But right, and this this album um, apparently um, there's a reason why they didn't do much after this is because it really did tank. Oh yeah, there was um, it um, didn't sell. No, um, I they they I think. I'd have to, you know, we could verify this somehow. Yeah. But that it, it uh, on its initial release, it sold something like a thousand copies. Yeah. Which for the Beach Boys is, you know, heck, there's local bands in Denver here back when people <laughs> used to buy things like CDs and records that could sell a thousand albums. That is, um, 
that is a, that's a terror. That's terrible. Yeah. And, and, um, apparently there was some promotional problems with the record company or the distribution company that might've played a big role in that. You would think that even a bad beach boys album, um, which we have not yet determined yet that this is, but we will spoiler they, alert. Um, they, um, even a bad beach boys album would sell much better than that. Um, even, even given the time period that it came out, at least I would expect it to just for the whole nostalgia factor. Yeah. And then when you combine in that, it does get some pretty heavy, um, promotion. Yes. Um, in, in, um, television. Well, and Kokomo was their first hit in 28 years, just, you know, a couple of years before this. Yeah, you would. Yeah, that it is. It's hard to say exactly why this fails. Yeah, apparently it failed so hard that whoever the distribution company, not Capitol Records, but whoever was actually pressing and releasing the CDs, folded, went bankrupt because this flopped so hard. It's like, a, yeah, that's... Um, Makes yeah. the album hard to find now. You, you can't get it on streaming. It was never re-released. Yeah. Luckily, I found a copy at a used CD store, and you know we distributed it somewhat illegally since then. But yes, it's... It's hard to obtain in a legal manner without spending yeah. lots and lots I, of money. I can't believe it could be. Well, I'm sure it is still technically illegal to distribute music like that. But at the same time, there is no money being lost to anyone by. Um, yeah, no one's going to buy this. this. Um, yeah, it, I mean, at the point, at one point, right? They they were uh, taking the CDs, you know, all the extra copies, and um, apparently attaching them to uh, earlier Beach Boys or greatest hits record and selling them on the home shopping network or some something like that QVC or something. That's how they were dumping their old stock. Yeah, just getting it so, out of the so, warehouse. So, so so it's a yeah, you know, um, it's it's kind of stunning. It is just in that way. It, it what a colossal flop it was. It was it was pretty bad and. Oddly enough, they like re-recorded half of it to release it in the UK when they also changed the album cover, which is pretty airbrush side of a van cheesy, mm-hmm. to include a big old American flag on just the UK release. Hmm. And it's yeah, wow. And yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and I'm not even sure, like, you know, with that information, I'm not even sure why, at least what we've listened to, it's it's not bad recording. No, it's not bad musicianship. That's Everything not the seems problem to be perfectly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If that, you look on the uh, list of small changes that are made between the UK and the US, I mean, Roger McGuinn, who co-wrote Ding Dang, uh, sings a verse, they drop him in and, you know, Al Jardine is back in favor. So he gets to sing like a line or two and they swap him out for Carl. But why? What what year is Kokomo again? That was like 88, 89. I, re- I remember being a kid and that just being everywhere. Yeah, that oh, was, it was a big hit. Inescapable. Yeah. yeah, like you go into the mall, you know. <laughs> it still is. Get in I a mean, cab, it's on the radio. You go in the mall, it's on the... Yeah. Get in an elevator. Yeah, I, that's got it. Kokomo. That's got to be... Every single bar has it playing, like every, like, bar or restaurant has it playing every, like, fourth song. That has to be among the biggest hits the Beach Boys ever had. Right? Yeah. I would I would assume. I don't know. From a from a sheerly commercial exactly. standpoint. That's what I yes. mean, right? From yeah, a commercial no. standpoint, yeah. Well maybe that just ruined people on this because if you if, you, if you liked that? Kokomo, like this is Kokomo. Spoiler, like this is a whole album of that sort of thing. Like, yeah, no, that's really why is. Terry Melcher is back. Um and mm-hmm. co writing most, if not all, the songs. This is Technically a concept album, as in almost all of the songs are about summer. Summer, yes. 
which is not a very um, narrow or specific uh, category, but you know, right. But they, you know, they, they definitely um, have that. Look, it's always sunny in California. Right? Exactly. Right. And so, you know, you talk of summer. Except when it's on fire. You could, you could be, <laughs> yeah. you could be in, you know, um, Milwaukee, Wisconsin in January and you could listen to this and maybe it would warm you up a little bit, right? You're pining away for summer. I suppose that's part of the appeal of, of the Beach Boys and, you know, surf yeah. music in general. Well, and speaking of the production, this album does have another dubious distinction of being one of the first albums ever recorded on Pro Tools. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, that that I don't think that it, um, uh, at least to my ear, yeah, it you, you know, again, I think the recording is fine. Yeah. You know, um, almost uh, none of the actual Beach Boys play on it, but that's right. and also this, true of Pet Sounds. And this so. came out in, what, 93? Two, ninety-two. Yeah. So that would have been, you know, they they were already. That was the early days of hard disk recording. I yeah. Assume that you know, digital up to then was doing it on digital tape. Yeah. I still have some dats that right, you know, right, and they uh, moldering yeah. away in my basement. Yes, exactly. Uh, things like that, right? Yeah. You know, and then ADATs came out, but before that, they had these big ass Otari, you know, oh yeah, yeah sixteen thirty-two yeah. track. I think they had right to have now. a computer specially built to run Pro Pro Tools back in the day, right? And and I think you know, and so it's not, it's not. I mean, I think that there there is a um, uh, if anyone's familiar with with current audio recording technique um, on on the platforms like Pro Tools, it's it's very easy to to assemble songs together, to move parts around, to edit out. Um, uh, bad takes and replace them yeah. seamlessly with anything else. I, I find it, I, I would imagine that the editing capabilities in 92 were far more primitive. Yeah, no, I would imagine so, but they still existed. So they that still was, existed, yes. Yeah. And that may be part of why the UK and the US versions of this album have things swapped out. It's just, hey, we have the technology. Let's test right. it out. Let's see if, you know, Al singing this instead of Carl sells better. Yeah, right. And there's no, yeah, and there would be, it would be, um, um, like you said, it would be pre- be expensive to do, probably, but, yeah. but at the same time, it would be pretty easy to swap out a vocal. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that, um, but, but it is, you know, so it is, um, it's significant, um, I guess, in the history of audio recording in that sense, right? Yeah. Well, and it is a lot more polished and slick than the last album we did, which, you know, was cutting edge in a lot of ways. We talked about how it sort of was a precursor to 80s technology and 80s production, but it was rough. I think and this know, is yes. not rough. Being the early 90s, I think this is the, the 80s. The 80s production techniques had been polished to a super sheen <laughs> a glistening surface that radiates with the warmth of a thousand suns yes did did, uh, did either of you ever see there was this um uh episode of this uh one one time cable tv show called mythbusters yeah and, and uh they they were testing of whether you could uh, shine a turd I've not seen that particular yeah, seen that episode. Yeah, and they, they, they did prove that it was indeed possible that you could turn a turd into a gleaming, beautiful ball but all, of shining with shit. A, a full Pro Tools rig. Yeah, yeah. What I, yes. <laughs> yes, well, well, this is what they came to is, you know, you can't, uh, we don't have smell-o-vision yet. Yeah. I, I kind of hope we never get that. But <laughs> no. what they pointed out is they, they did create these works of art out of out of a piece of shit, and they were quite beautiful, but, but you know, as they they pointed out they still smell really bad. 
Yeah, and that, that may be a good metaphor for this album that we're about to discuss. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll just get into it um, with the first song of summer, the, uh, the Sly and the Family Stone classic, because why not? Uh, hot fun in the summertime. Hoping this was a Stanley Clark cover. <laughs> not quite. Yeah, Sly Stone. I'm. I. Uh, I did. I did not know. Actually, uh, I don't have much in my collection of Sly Stone. But, but uh, you know, I had heard this song before yes. in a different context. That very quickly. Uh, uh, I'm sure this will come up a lot in this. Just the the production is this relentless whapping of the reverb drenched snare. Yes. On the, on the two and four, it's like you will never get lost in, in the, any of these songs. And and I also and it appears on a couple other songs as well. There's this Bowser like bow, background bow, vocals. Bow, I wonder who's doing that. It's usually Mike. Yeah. Mike. It's one of the rare cases where the lead singer of the band is the one with the lowest voice. Hmm. And Brian had the highest voice, which is why his harmonies are so weird. Is because he would you know, harmonies from the top down instead of from the bottom up. Yeah. He, he could do the falsetto. Yeah, he was the end. one always doing the up top. Yeah, yeah I wonder so. who's doing that on here. Um, probably just random session musician guy. Just some Jeff Foskett or something. Right, yeah. Right, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So you know, if Beach Boys "Love You" is not what you expect from the Beach Boys, I think this is exactly what you expect from the Beach Boys if you know almost nothing about them. Yeah. I mean, and, if you just think of them as some sort of like sub Jimmy Buffett band from the 60s. Yeah, this is like the Saturday morning cartoons version of the Beach Boys. It really is. You yeah. know, and I think, you know, going back to some of my my uh, comments from the, the last episode, I think that um, th- this is probably the Beach Boys that is in my mind. Yes. And, and that is, I mean, you know, most bands have like the struggle between the John Lennon, the artist, the creative type, and the Paul McCartney, the sort of commercial melodic face of the band, but rarely is it so distinct and uh, bifurcated as it is between Mike Love and Brian Wilson. Yeah. I mean, Mike doesn't do anything but be the cheesy cheerleader who's, you know, when the, the congressional hearings took place with a D Snyder and Frank Zappa, he was the one testifying on the other side. Oh, no way. Did he really? Yes. No, (laughs) no, Uh, yeah, oh, wow. that's all you. There are several photos out there of Mike Trump or Mike Love with his <laughs> arms around Donald Trump. The, he is. What does he get out of this? Is there is there like um is it is it publicity that he's seeking? Is do you think that he really he, has a, um you know a political agenda, or do you think that it's just um you know um money? I think a lot of it is money. I mean, he does have some political leanings that do diverge from Trump, as we will learn from this album. He is a big fan of the environment and ecology, even if he doesn't really understand it. So that is certainly a difference between them. But I think mostly it is 
for him, this is a job. This is a way to make money. And that's why he always got pissed off when Brian would do stuff like pet sounds or smile and fuck with the formula. Yeah. And, and Trump certainly figured out how to, you know, manipulate the entertainment industry. Yeah. At least to fill his coffers. Right. Yeah. And there weren't a lot of people who from the entertainment industry who were willing to put in with Trump. I mean, it was mostly Kid Rock, Ted Nugent and uh, Mike Love. Yeah. Well, sooner or later, you know, you, you're uh, there's a when a you, when you put your lot in, in with with people like that. Sooner or later, you 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 get burned. Um, yeah. And, you know, you're reluctant to come back. So but um, see, this album is they're just bludgeoning their legacy to death with a brick. Yeah. <laughs> Thoroughly. Well, and for a certain age or demographic, your knowledge and your image of the Beach Boys comes from the, if not this album, the TV show appearances around this album to help publicize it. Yes. Yeah. Should, should we dig in? To, I mean, there will be a the, lot the of this. song, yeah. but I mean, they, this was... Uh, like they rented a whole cable channel to do 24 7 infomercials for this thing it's it was and it doesn't sell no. it's, it's just it's just really it's really um that's what i mean it's just is it that bad maybe we'll, we'll, well yes but, but um, it's but no worse than kokomo back to this the sly stone you know Cover. sly and the family stone were were known for among other things funk Yes. Right? This um, is there any funk in this song? No. If you haven't <laughs> seen it yet, watch the Summer of Soul documentary. It's incredible. Oh, the one, Quest Love. One of the one of the yeah. biggest things is the Sly and the Family Stone performances, and Sly and the Family Stone, their influence on music, like every genre of music, can't be understated. They're just awesomely weird and so far ahead of their time on. So many levels, it's incredible. They're like, they're like the butthole surfers of 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 soul music from the sixties. Yeah. Like it's really weird, but they're also really great pop songs. There are lots of people in the band who are considered to be big innovators of their particular instrument. Um, it was an integrated band, both uh, you know racially and and gender wise. Like they were one of the the few bands back in the day that had more than one female instrumentalist, yeah. not just, not just you know, the backup singers or anything. Um, and uh, they're incredible. And, uh, and this song pays ample it, tribute to that. It's kind of crazy <laughs> that you could, you know, cover a, a Sly song and have it sound just this flat. Well, and this is more, um, I mean, I don't, you know, I'm, I didn't take the time to go compare it to the Sly Stone version, yeah. um, you know, recorded live or otherwise. I, I, uh, th this one, this one has, has a very, it's not a funk feel. It's more of a doo-wop kind of, kind of feel. Yes. And, and maybe that was the appeal to it. Um, and it also has that kind of, um, Pat Boone does Tutti Fruity vibe, um, yeah. you know, just sort of, uh, you know, missed, um, like, what are we what are we missing here? Pat Boone does Metallica vibe. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, I think the main reason they covered For this Ozzy. song is uh it had the word summer in the title. Yeah, yeah. Mike Love did this again with a solo album just a couple years ago, and there's like Rockaway Beach on there. Hmm. So anything so was anything was they beach, don't uh, care. Yeah. Was there, <laughs> there there had to be some uh record label related 
licensing. Yeah, well, you know, probably. Uh, Sly Stone. Like, yeah, we own this. Yeah, Sly Stone. But I mean, before uh, Sly and the Family Stone, you know, before the whole the whole um, counterculture thing exploded in the you know the late sixties, he was um, he was a, a music producer. He uh, yeah. you know wore the suit and tie, and um, you know. Um, was given jobs to do right yeah. to um you know to find the, the latest greatest um he was a DJ usually white rock too. and roll, yeah. roll band right kind of thing you know yeah. so so he had you know he had he was big in the music industry for yeah, sure yeah. I would imagine that that um that that back in the sixties that the Beach Boys um were not unfamiliar with this no but I but I it just doesn't sound like I, I agree I think it had more to do with the fact that summer was in the title than. Well, and also since Brian was not in the picture, it was up to Mike, who is not a songwriter, to try and come up with enough material. So there's a few more covers than you get on your average Beach Boys album. But so does this set a good tone for the record? Well, it's it's a um, yeah, it's, a it's fine. apropos, yeah. shall we say? Well, now one of Brian Wilson's few, if not contemporaneous, contributions was this song that was in fact the very first Beach Boys song recorded, Surfin'. Yeah. yeah. I, I, this, after this song, the whole rest of the album just reminds me like of uh, uh, Smooth Noodle Map. <laughs> yes. This, this is like bad late period Devo. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking more like quality Miami Vice. <laughs> Don't disperse <laughs> the fine work of Jan, Jan, Jan Hammer. <laughs> yeah. Matt, come on. Now the real question is, who has a better flow? Didi Ramone or Mike Love. <laughs> That's, you know, mash up. Somebody mash it up. <laughs> yeah, the 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 the, uh, the rhymes I guess are better here, but um you know this this is this is such a contrast too is is that that first surfing record yeah. that the Beach Boys made. Okay, uh, number 1, it was back when they actually performed as a band. Yes. Right, so there there was the, you know, the the five piece, I guess, and and they um, you know, they played this stuff. And um, you know, I don't know if it's apocryphal or if it's a true story, but apparently on the the uh, their first their first album surfing their first record, um, Brian Wilson played the drums and he did it with his hands. He was whacking on the snare with his fingers. Um, yeah, because apparently no one had. Well, they rented instruments, but no one had learned how to play them. No one had so, learned how to play them. Right. So and, Al you know, Jardine so. sort of faked it on the upright bass, and you know, uh, Carl actually could play guitar, but the rest of it was just sort of. We've rented instruments. Uh, record us now, please. Right, and and you can you know and and if you can if you can keep time, you should be able to. Yeah. To make well, up. I mean, he he drummed all through "Love You," and that was yeah adequate. Yes, it was adequate. <laughs> I, absolutely. And and I'm just like, we can contrast that a hit song, yeah. right? To and then this this version is clearly not a hit song. Yes. But you know, maybe it's tired after. 30 years. Yeah. But, but it's also, it's also filled, it's filled with those, um, 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 
you know, the, well, it's filled with those 80-isms. Yeah, with, those with contemporaneous the, touches. Right, you know. With record the, scratching and. And you right. can't have enough 80-isms in 1992. Yes. <laughs> well, and that was apparently, according to <laughs> interviews and reviews around the time, Mike Love's concept, there was a concept behind this is like, if we were a new band just starting out today, what would we sound like? And it would be like this. Um, he's he could be right. He, yes, he but they would also not have uh, been not, very not successful. Eighties isms yeah. are cool in about 1978. Yeah, right. That's, right. The, that's the thing with yes. that. And and I don't mind. You know, I I am uh, appreciative of um, of um, clean recordings. Yeah. Um, I think this is pretty clean. Yeah. And, no, that's not I, the problem. I you know, and it, and it's like you can you know the it is everything is drenched in reverb, but it's nothing's really hidden. Yeah, you know it's it's um uh you know it's very it's very upfront, and that could have a lot to do with the the whole Pro Tools business, right? You know um um, but um, we've we've discussed a bunch of records that are from the early days of uh, digital recording, in not really just early days of digital recording where it was digital tape and a completely prototype machine, but as you get into early Pro Tools use and things like that, it they were really throwing shit at the wall to see what stuck with this new technology. And there's, there's an era of, but this doesn't mu- music in a lot of different genres yeah. really suffering from, yeah. Hey, we can now easily do this thing that well, was really arduous before with analog technology. So let's put it on everything. Well, and that's just it. This is new technology, but instead of like experimenting and seeing what it can do, they're using it to make it as perfect as possible yeah yeah and this yeah. is you know and, a, it's very good that steely dan did not continue in the 90s 90s steely dan would be the most yeah, unpleasant yeah, sounding I, thing I right. humanly possible and they, they picked it up again in the noughties i think yes, or the yeah. late noughties and it was probably that was good for them to yeah. stay away from from the, you know um the, yeah it was it was I kind of like Steely Dan, but it was almost unbearable with their perfectionism and the. Uh, well, it was more impressive when it's done in like '78, right, right? Yeah, than exactly. it is when it's done on Pro Tools in '92. But here, you know, like I, you know, it's so difficult to tell anymore more with the samples. You know, what like with drumming? Yeah. Like, is it a drummer? Is it not? Because you could take a, a you know a drummer that's really playing and quantize it. Um, you could replace their drums with something else. Um, this, this really sounds like a drum machine to me just because of it's, if it's, if it's, it's, you know, it's glued to the, the tempo kind of thing that's going on. And, uh, so there's, there's no real push and pull at all. Um, It sounds like karaoke music. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is, this is a retirement community cover band. (laughs) Um, well, you know, um, I'm not sure that they didn't play gigs in retirement communities. No, they, they took yeah. any gigs they could take back in the day. Yeah. So, but let's move on to the first original tune, uh, Summer of Love. It's a song about summer. I can't wait till summer, cause it's gonna yeah. be a summer of love. Hey now. Well, it's a love thing. People all around the world in Every nation like to get together for some excitation. If you're a girl who appreciates her recreation, why don't you let me take you on a love vacation? Yeah, I'll take you to the movies, but I'm a fool. First, I'll get you on the Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a buzzer vocals again. Um, this, um, well, 
I'm not sure this says a lot. Yes. This is... Very cool. I like this song better than most of the other songs. That is true. And was this not the one that was supposed to be the duet? Oh, yes. Yes. For those who were unaware, uh, apparently there was talk in 1992 during the height of Simpsons mania of a, a Simpsons movie that didn't actually happen for another 20 years or so. And uh, this song was submitted by the Beach Boys as a potential duet with Bart Simpson. I would have liked that. It, it, do the Bartman part two, yeah. I would have. Um, I mean, I would have liked it better. You could have lost that whole spider pig bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but apparently the Simpsons had higher standards than Full House and turned them down. And there are some interesting things about this song, like the kind of spoken word yeah sort of rap ish <laughs> right you know this is where the dd ramon uh, comparison yeah. could come in or as you said logan a good matchup mm-hmm. um there's some um weird flanging thing going on with the background vo- vocals they didn't the, have auto-tune yet so yeah yeah so they uh, it, it's kind of you know kind of interesting i guess um and, and apparently this was one of the songs that was used uh for the the beach boys appearance on baywatch Ah, yes. They even mentioned Baywatch in the lyrics. So, so all the TV shows are somehow connected to this song. So there's a real synergy going on here. A corporate uh, synergy. Yes. Uh, yeah. Between um, popular television and um, the Beach Boys. Good, wholesome fun on the beach. America's f- band. <laughs> I was going to bring it up during the last song because it was surfing. Yeah. But I, I, I surf. Uh, I grew up surfing a little bit and surfed a, a lot for a few years when I lived at the beach. So this, this and, album and, speaks and, to and you. And continue yeah. to surf, uh, you, even though we're in a landlocked state on various uh, river waves and things like that. Um, and uh, I have to say that the Beach Boys um, version of beach life and surfing is... Realistic and accurate? Yeah. No, it's oh. awful. And it's like I nearly universally hated by like surfing culture. Um, no, it's for aspiring surfers, not actual surfers. Yeah, it's it's a weird. It's like this. No, that's not that's not a thing, nor has it ever. I mean, it might have been uh, um, a good representation of the culture in maybe like the 50s or something, but. But like we said, it came out in the 60s, already nostalgic for 10 years ago, and has desperately tried to stay nostalgic for the 50s the entire time. And so it it bears no, um, you know, uh, genuine association with surfing culture. It's it's cash grabby uh, and exploitative from the from the jump. Is that kind of and if um, you're kind of if you're if you have anything to do with that subculture, it drives you a little bit crazy. Is that is there any any uh, you know more contemporary corollaries to that? Like maybe um, um, you know suburban you know um, suburban middle class white teenagers um, grooving on gangsta rap, something um, like that. A little yeah. no, but this is this fabricates a thing. I, yeah, I guess. I guess some of the ways that like the gangster rap stuff was a little bit amped up actually around this very time. Uh, that's, that's what it, it is funny to think that that's the cool, cool shit going on in music at the time is. Oh yeah. Everyone was listening to 
Easy E and the Beach Boys. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the Fat Boys and the Beach Boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there's a little bit of that, but I guess that's an okay comparison. But it's just it's so shamelessly like we're making this to appeal to people. People who don't know what we're talking about, because if they did know anything about what we're talking about, they would hate this. I wonder what they the, would know that it's just made up. I wonder what the attitude was. Uh, I, you know, I, I think you're. I mean, what you're saying rings absolutely true. I wonder what the attitude was, say, in 1966. Well, that's the thing is. Well, in 1966, they're making albums that influence the fucking Beatles and and Jimi Hendrix, and you know, they're yeah, making yeah. really yeah. powerful stuff that's new. And, but they're still crazy. saying about surfing, though. I wonder they, how they, surfers thought. They know. still are, and it's it's probably fine. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, the Summer of Love, while I don't think the lyrics are actually about this, the proverbial Summer of Love was 1967, a point at which the Beach Boys sort of gave up on trying to be part of, you know, pop culture mainstream, backed out of Monterey, didn't release the Smile album, pretty much imploded their career, and didn't have another hit until... Kokomo came out 20 years later. So it's ironic that they're singing about the summer of love when the summer of love was something that really sort of not only passed them by, but buried them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, Jimi Hendrix was saying it was like psychedelic barbershop and making fun of them at this point. Yeah. I guess there's no, there's no like, like, I mean, what else, what other options uh, do you have? And, and I'm asking that as not as a rhetorical question. I'm saying you could go, I mean, this is one op- option you have. You could go the, the Mike Love route, which was once upon a time, we, we did really well with these summery, happy teenage surfer stuff. And we didn't do well after that. Yeah. So maybe we should keep doing that. Well, by 1969, they were releasing an, a song called Do It Again that was all about, hey, let's go back to the beach, guys. And you know, it's been sort of a back and forth between Brian trying to push him forward and Mike trying to pull him back. Right, right. I mean, I mean that would be the other way to go, right? We yeah. try to, to progress in some way. Yeah, but none of that stuff hit either. I mean, they did some weird, progressive, cool albums in the late 60s and early 70s that were as good as Pet Sounds, but... Nobody gave a shit. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah, and then and then uh and and if you know and then and then so if um, Mike Love yeah right I don't know anything about him so maybe we can talk a little more about him to yes. a certain degree but uh, if he if he's you know putting the band back together or has yeah. become the band leader and is thinking about how can we keep making money yes right I mean his experience is. We made money when we sang about surfing. Right. <laughs> Let's and, sing about surfing. And, and, and that's all we know and how that's, to do. Yeah. And anything else we've tried has been a bad, bad idea. Because, I mean, even Pet Sounds, as and, beloved and it, as it is, was a yeah. commercial flop at the time. So, yes. And all of that was Brian. So it's his yeah. fault. Yeah. No. And that's why there's such antagonism between the two of them. Because one earned them all the critical praise and the other earned them all the commercial uh, freedom to make those weird albums so but but it's just like like you know um are there i mean you know as we listen more maybe we can think of some examples but but uh, you know there there are cases where uh, groups or individuals from groups have um have have uh, reinvented themselves yeah because they they did have some kind of talent yeah and or love of music or love of money maybe all of those things combined and they were able to to um you know if you know you know, not necessarily 
um, you know, cater to the times, but yeah. at least keep up with the times. Yeah. Well, and there's some attempt here, right? They're, they're trying yeah. to, we were, we're throwing in record scratching. We're cool now. Right, right. Yeah. We got the drum machine going. We're yeah. using pro tools. We got, you know, Well, I think if you look at David Bowie, who is the most successful person who changed, he would change before it got old. Yeah. That was the problem is the beach boys would change after that had gotten stale. And so they looked like they were trying to catch up. My, as a point my to, two examples for that sort of thing have always been Slayer and um, Miles Davis. Uh, two bands that you think of together all the time. I, I, I do. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, though, certainly Miles first, but uh, he's yeah, miles he, ahead. He would be, he would be onto a thing for a while and the rest of the, the jazz world would be desperately trying to catch up. And bef right when the next closest person was nipping at his heels, he would just, you know, do a somewhat reactionary shift to something completely different that subverted all of the things that were important to the, the yeah. thing before. And it, it worked great. It made for a really long and interesting career. Um, and, uh, that's, you know, I don't, I don't know if they're the beach boys thought to, <laughs> well, I think that's the problem is some of the beach boys like Brian were like, yes, let's do something new and weird and different. Let's go into pet sounds and smile. And some of the beach boys like Mike love are like, shut the fuck up. Let's put out Barbara Ann or, and then I kissed her again. So, right. And then, and then maybe if, um, you know, maybe if, if Brian, um, if his, if his mental state yeah. had been more stable or stabilized earlier, yeah. maybe, maybe they, um, maybe some of those attempts would have been more successful. Yeah. Well, I think they needed more of a consensus and there was not cause you know, Brian was the leader musically and Mike was the leader, you know, commercially, there was not a good consensus of what to do. And that was always a problem, but Shall we go on to the next song? Another song written by Mike Love and Terry Melcher. It's called Island Fever, a.k.a. Cultural Appropriation. You're a big fan of reggae, Logan, right? Doesn't this make Bob Marley sound as, you know, hip as Jimmy Buffett? I mean, it hangs with some of the island Bob Marley stuff. <laughs> no, the best thing that can be said about this song is it's not as cringy as Island Girl from the previous album, Still Cruising. But is um, I, I, used, so, I used to, without blinking an eye, I would say that I hate Jimmy Buffett way more than the Beach Boys, but this one is... Really, yeah. They're back I, and back, yeah, I'm man. not sure that um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's um. Another positive: that's, they're that's, not that's pretending to have accents on the song. They're not, you know, doing the yeah, yeah. "Hey, Mon Island Fever." Yeah, yeah, like uh, uh, I don't know. Well, like I said, I don't know much about Mike Love, but um, Buffett seems to have at least a more interesting story. But who knows? Right? Yeah, well, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know enough. Um, but what about um, yeah? Um, did any of the Beach Boys get 
wasted with Hunter S. Thompson. And, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, oh, Charlie Manson for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, um, uh, who's um, 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 not that those are the same. No. Um, that um, who's the, uh, the who wrote this song? Was this? Uh, song? It's Mike, Mike Love, Love and Terry Melcher. The uh, so do you oh. think do you think Mike Love and or Terry was aware of the double entendres in this one? Um, yes, but I think they were very uh, deliberate not to because you know. They got in trouble back in the 80s when, when Ronald Reagan wouldn't let them play the uh, Bicentennial or something. And so they were very, you know, they wanted to make sure they were presented a good, wholesome, clean image so they could. It's like, yeah. The... Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just there's just strange thing. You know, it's like I know it's technically the island fever, but you yeah. know, a fever is what an illness. And, yeah. you know, they're like, my baby got it. I don't know from where. Yeah. A toilet seat. No. Right. right. <laughs> At like, least it's not jungle fever. But, you know, <laughs> yes, yeah, that could have been awkward. Uh, uh, yeah. But um, island fever's not far behind. Yeah. Right? No, right it's from, a uh, um, yeah. Cringy. Cringy, I think, is the, the there, word. There for is this. A, some. Uh, novel instrumentation, I guess. There is some percussion on here. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of slide guitar. Yeah, um, no, they're clearly going for that island sound, faux steel drums and right. faux lap steel and faux everything else. Just probably wearing fake lays while they're recording this. Well, Jungle Fever just came out the year before. So. And, and Spike, you know, if he'd waited, he could have used this as the theme song. I know it's they real. did the theme song to Problem Child, so <laughs> <laughs> and no further comment is necessary. But uh, hmm. Well, we'll we'll move on. We've done surfing. Now let's do still surfing. programmed an AI to write a Beach Boys song, how far off would it be from this? Whatever happened to Surfer Joe? Surfer Joe and the, and the mashed potato and the sleaze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's got a surfing senorita. Yes. I mean, there's at least some, you know, fake timpani on here, so it sounds a little more orchestral than most of the, <laughs> the album, but, uh, and he's a failed attorney. He doesn't do much with his law degree. So, so is this is this uh, you, you know essentially the prequel to the Big Lebowski? Then, sure. This is Donnie's song. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a, an ecology message tacked on the end that, that you know feels very sincere and trite simultaneously. Oh, they should avoid anything involving surfing or subject matter. I know, I know that that's like their thing. But yeah. Ooh, I found it. It's infuriating. In 1971, they released a song called Surf's Up, the chorus of which goes, Columnated Ruins Domino. And the title was a joke. This is not that. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, there's, there, there is a, there's a real lack of... Um, Subtlety, I guess. Yes. You know? No. <laughs> you know, this is sort of. I was thinking. You know, with the uh, the the Love You album, 
um, with, you know, we talked about, you know, a certain lack of um, sophistication of the lyrical content, or at least, yeah. um, you know, cultivation of it in yes. terms of its poetic value. Um, these, these definitely, you know, seem to, to um, fit the meter and they rhyme better. Yes. But at the same time, they, they, it, I don't know if that makes it better. They are more professional. Definitely. Yeah. You can tell that Mike Love writes lyrics and Brian Wilson doesn't. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is personal right. opinion. Right, because there's, right, there's lyrics, there's, there's the, the art of, of, you know, a good lyric, right, going yeah. together. But there's also, there's also the content. Yes. Right? So, so you know, if you're, um, if you're singing about... Johnny Will, Carson. Right. right. <laughs> if you're singing about Johnny Carson, right, that is a... You know that that's one kind of notion, yeah. Right, but if you're if you're once again, you know, I mean, you know, I guess I don't know. This song is kind of like the the middle age. Um, you're trying to get your youth back. Sort yeah, of thing. no, it's yeah. it's how Mike Love got his groove back, kind of song. These are all used in in boner pill ads, right? Yeah, Every pretty much. One of these has yeah. been used in a Viagra ad at some point. Yeah. yeah. Now, how does you know another thing that 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 uh, um disturbs me and not disturbs me, but I guess I wonder about, right. It's like, so you put this album together. Um, is this something, at least the way it sounds, the way it's produced, is this something that, that would, would translate, you know, as this is evidence of who we are as a band and this is what we're going to sound like live. They did very, very few of these songs live ever. And most of them did not make it past the, you know, next year or two's worth of tours. Right, right. And, and, and uh, I mean, is, is that because they couldn't play them or it just no one wants to hear them? I think it was mostly, you know, people come to the show because they want to hear the hits. God oh, damn yeah. it. And we are going to give them the hits because this is Mike Love's commercial cash cow. And we're not going to disappoint anyone by putting in some new weird song. Newer, even though some of these are his, right? Yeah, no, he, he has no personal affection for any of these songs, and I think that that shows through on the lyrics too. So, what do we think of of um, now that he's in charge? What do we think of of Mike as the front man? The thing is, even as the front man, he's only singing lead on like a third of these songs. Because as a vocalist, he's not a great vocalist. He's just the the CEO. What does he do on stage when when they have songs like that? He just, he, he's like a hype man. He jumps he's around. Gene he, Simmons. <laughs> he's, you know, he's like 70, 80 years old now, and he's still running all around the stage in short shorts and a baseball cap always, because you'll never know he's bald if you never see it. And, you know, he just gets like the crowd his, excited. Like Trump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what are you talking about? Trump has a full, glorious head of hair. It's like natural. Natural, Yes. <laughs> we gotta save the oceans guys stop throwing your uh, six pack rings into the ocean let's move on to the the slow summer dancing one summer night the Bruce Johnston song on the album Soft and slow. 
in the uh, continuum of the Beach Boys with Brian Wilson on one end and Mike Love on the other, there's the rest of the band which sort of hovers in that spectrum between. Generally, Dennis is closer to Brian because they both do a lot of drugs and they like doing weird experimental things. Al Jardine is usually in the middle because he doesn't want to get involved. Carl is near his family side and Bruce's Bruce Johnston is always near the Mike Love side, which is why Bruce does get a song and even gets to play a keyboard on this album. Mm. While none of the rest of the Beach Boys, I mean, even if Brian is cut out, a lot of other Beach Boys songs have other Beach Boys writing them, but Mike didn't let anyone write anything except Bruce on this album. Huh, interesting. So this is the one Bruce song. And, and, and you know, and it's not a... I don't... It didn't seem like a bad song. I think the production is very dated and very annoying. It's like the... Uh, a junior high prom song, the slow song. Yeah, well, and yeah, it's yeah. it's slow summer dancing, which makes sense, but yeah, yeah, that um, it just uh, yeah, the the super loud and reverby snare really gets in the way of yeah of any other thing that you can hear on the. Um, but it's not like a you know Michael Bolton covering "When a Man Loves a Woman," where if you stripped away the horrendous production, there's at least a good song there. If yeah. you did this as a stripped down just piano and vocalist production, this song would put you to sleep. You need all these gimmicks yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. gogs and accoutrements to make this as still boring, but half as interesting as it is. I, I have in my notes that Al Jardine sings on this one, but that was just the British version? Yes. Yeah. That was one of the uh, concessions after Al Jardine, you know, played nice with Mike and got back in the band. Well, Scott, you brought it up. You brought up the the D.D. King album yes. earlier, and uh, I would like to point out that the uh, rhyme structures on this album so far have been uh, quite a bit more advanced than anything on the D.D. King. And that's uh, true of also several Dr. Seuss books, but yes. <laughs> articles in the sports section of the newspaper. This yeah, morning, no, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just yeah, accidentally. Magnetic have. poetry generally tends to be more adventurous, but yes, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is just, here. Just a thought. <laughs> um, yeah, I wonder if uh, D.D. would have benefited you know sort of like a fifth grade reader this could have been for him to um, I, you know he was a fan of the beach boys but i don't think he would have been a fan of this beach boys right <laughs> i mean keith moon is covering don't worry baby but he's not covering one summer night the beach boys have permeated a lot of episodes this season yes moving on to the next track strange things happen She believes in God and karma too, paranormal powers, you know some people do, got Scorpio rising, uh-huh, tell you what's in your star. She was down in Rio, turned the heads of state, got him into Macon. Manic Pixie Dream Girl saves the ecology. Every time I touch my baby, strange things happen. Oh, you know. What do you mean by strange? I mean. Yeah, well, okay, a couple of things about this song that stood out to me is like, uh, I think this occurs on several of the songs, but, but you do have that, that um, sort of polished, distorted, 
quasi heavy metal guitar fills yeah. and solos and that Wait was, the that, right, that was so very ubiquitous in the 80s um, you know so that, that we're definitely dating the whole thing as well and and, and I think it was Danny Kurch Kurchmark Mark, yeah. yeah that that did the, you know and he's certainly a talented guitar player but it, it's it's very um oh you know I don't know it's very um um faceless faceless predictable like like you know like there's no there's there's um this is actually just a pet peeve of mine is that that is is technology for um electronic guitar playing you know guitar improved especially in terms of amplification and, and distortion um that you could end up really taming what once was an aggressive and hard to control sound and then you could take that and you could insert it into these sort of sappy and syrupy and um, um, inappropriate, right? Yeah, 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 inappropriate settings, right? Like like surf music, like yeah. this, and and it all and it all um, plays nice together. Yeah, and and it just um, it it's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Like like this is this is um, this is. Well, it's just not what I want to hear, and it's never what I wanted to hear. And and I think that that it, it lacks any kind of aggressiveness that that um, would make it compelling and, and interesting. And and it's uh, I think it's it you know sometimes I think it's it's it might be strange for someone like me to say, but it's like like look, screaming guitar. It just doesn't work. No. Right in this this context. It is yeah. strange to say, but strange things happen. Right. Happen. Yes. happen. <laughs> Well, and Danny Korchmar, speaking of the musicians on this album, they're Van Dyke Parks, the uh, lyricist who wrote mm. the lyrics for Smile that, you know, were so obtuse and, and, you know, poetic and strange that caused Mike Love to freak out and the album to be canceled back in the summer of love. He plays accordion on this album. Oh, interesting. Even though Brian yeah. Wilson's not on it, Van Dyke Parks shows up for a couple of tracks. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not something you would expect, but this is another song about how we should recycle and not pollute. Give a hoot, don't pollute. And instead of, you know, taking to task the actual companies and industries that are destroying the planet, make it a personal responsibility so you, the listener, can feel guilty about it. I, I, I like how it, it, the song starts with she believes in God and then goes on to list a bunch of and karma ast too astrology and yeah, yeah yeah stuff like that yeah no yeah well yeah if you um if you don't take responsibility for the planet karma will get you indeed karma chameleon instant uh, karma something like that I I guess maybe that's the message um, well well and that's another one of the weird conundrums of Mike Love is you know he's straight edge doesn't do drugs. But he is a big believer in transcendental meditation. He was on the retreat with the Beatles in India to hear the Maharishi in the 68. He is, yeah. There are several TM songs yeah, yeah, through the is, Beach Boys career. He is enigmatic. And he then, seems yeah. like such a opinionated asshole of a jerk. If anyone's ever you know, heard his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame acceptance speech where he calls out the Beatles for not performing and says he can kick Mick Jagger's ass... 
he doesn't seem like the type who's really into, you know, I spiritual. Yeah, I don't disagree with either of those things. <laughs> I kind of, you know, I, I would like to see if he could kick Mick Jagger's ass. I, um, yeah, yeah, I would like, like to watch. I don't think he'd win, <laughs> but yeah, it'd like be that. fun to, to watch. But, but, uh, yeah, no, and, and, and you know, look, uh, we all could use, um, uh, we could all could use um, more meditation. I think it's very yeah. valuable, but it also it also shows you something that the kind of, uh, um, you know, the sort of. I think there's a name for it, a more contemporary name for it, but the, the sort of personalized, um, you know, politics of, uh, you know, self-improvement and all that kind of stuff. Boulder vibes right, right. Can, can definitely, can definitely, or I should say is not incompatible not incompatible with some, um, Real right-wing extremism. Yeah. Hypocritical, but yeah, not yes. incompatible. Your kids right. will meditate in school. Yes. <laughs> but yes, that's... Anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, let's go on to the next uh, cover on the album. Shangri-La's Remember, Walking in the Sand. Remember. 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 Well, there you go. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the original Shangri-La's song, but if you're listening and you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's one of the coolest songs ever. And, and you know, who did a, dare I say, decent cover of that song was um, the band Aerosmith back in the 70s, before they got all 90-ized around the same time period, um, or 80-ized, whatever you want to call it. Well, yeah, um, they're... But I'm just, you know, I'm saying that it's hard to, a song that good is hard to ruin. And they were up to the challenge. <laughs> this is this is truly bizarre yeah. how they, well, how they put this. All the this, saxophone uh, on this album makes it very 80s sounding. I have to remind myself, this was 92. Like, yeah. you know, Nirvana well, was big at the time. Well, they often say decades, you know, overlap a little bit. Yeah. You know, they, but they go I, into the next... Uh, in you know, having just listened to this a few, well, a few weeks ago, when, um, before we recorded this, uh, uh, I pulled out Wikipedia and was just scrolling through the list of albums that came out this same year or close within months of this one, and uh, it was a pretty fertile time for music in America. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you have grunge blowing up. Um, there's a lot of like really uh, um, foundational hip hop and rap stuff going on in, in a lot of different genres around that. There's crazy met. I mean, uh, uh, like the, the Dark Throne album comes out in '92. You know, it's like lots of genres are having really big deal albums coming yeah, out. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are starting to hit. Yeah, like they they started to try to write another ballad again for uh, the next. 30 years yeah, yeah. Uh, right around yeah. here. Uh, <laughs> um, it's just, it's amazing that this is such a weird throwbacky thing at a time where music really does a uh, popular music stuff yeah. that made a ton of money is, is having a, um, a really progressive evolution, you know, maybe, you know, that, that as, as big as, uh, some other musical periods in the, in the sixties yeah. and seventies, like we haven't seen, a blast of 
lots of new stuff in popular music. You know, there's always cool underground stuff going on, but as far as stuff that made made money and sold thousands or millions of records um, or tens of millions or, you know, like big deal stuff is coming out. That's really innovative and, and pushing different genres forward quickly. And, and this right and alongside it, cutting edge. Which, yeah. Which brings me to in the past few years, there's been a big yacht rock revival. And I just wonder why some of the, the lamest of the beach boys hasn't been included in that. Cause it really does. It sounds like it. I think it, the problem is it just wasn't popular enough. Yeah, never people in the first like place. It. People you know, are nostalgic for Michael McDonald because they heard it when they were kids. No one heard this as That's, a kid. That must be it. But this this fits right in. Man. Oh, yeah. This you could round, slot this round in peg, between. Round hole. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're, well, what you're describing is, too, is they, they've, really, they've really missed the boat, as it were. <laughs> the yacht um, boat. They're yeah. left standing on the pier with their silk shirts and white belts. No peer pressure. I mean, even, you know, we talked about this with the uh, the, the Willie Nelson album, which came out of, a couple years after this. I can't it was recorded at the same time, but didn't come out for another well, 10 years. Right, right. So, so you, you know, and, and we talked about the, the possibility that, that you're starting to see these sort of, um, you know, um, festivals circuits kind of go yeah. on right and so you you could you could kind of adapt adapt whatever it is you're doing to sort of fit the markets that you're in yeah and it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like they have any real understanding of of the market at no. all unless you realize these tie-ins they have with the tv shows like yeah. baywatch baywatch yeah um and and uh um you know which which um they did appear on and the new leave it to beaver and the new leave it to beaver. yes which lasted you know, all of like eight episodes but they yeah 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 so there there's there's they're not they don't seem to be um anywhere close to the the pulse of the the current record industry no no they're trying. They've, they've got all the, the hip, cool new things, but they're still wearing, yeah. you know, khaki shorts and uh, Hawaiian shirts. and Right. Do you think that maybe the, the whole production here, I mean, was do you think maybe this was a conscious attempt by, uh, uh, you know, the Beach Boys, the producer, the record company or whatever to sort of say, look, we need to update your sound. Like, you know, you're, you're really kind of, um, you know, you're... Whatever. I think that's part of it. I think part of it is also Kokomo hit really big. And like, how can we still sound like the Beach Boys, but also sound cool? And they right. managed to fail at both of those things. Yeah, yeah. There's a... Hmm. Yeah, it, it, perhaps it, that it, Kokomo's kind of a novelty song. I yeah. Mean, it's huh. definitely a novelty song. Um, and maybe they misjudged and... Uh, thought perhaps that people wanted a whole album of novelty songs, not to, you know, when your whole band is a, is a novelty act, you don't have a novelty hit anymore. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't stick out as being cons conspicuously different or neat if that's all you're doing. And so I, that, I believe that to be part of the misstep here. Yeah. People like Kokono, Kokomo. If, if, if they liked one of those, they're going to like yeah. a boatload of, of yeah. that. No, they just wanted to hear the Beach Boys. They didn't care what song it was. But yeah, they didn't want to hear a bunch of that. But moving on to, uh, let's see, it's pronounced Lahana Aloha. Or Cultural Appropriation Part 2.
Talking about the, the, the obnoxious gated reverb, particularly on the, on the snare here, that snare sound, which was neat much earlier than this, and was when it done, first happened, done to death on a lot of popular music, particularly dance music. So their choice to use use that all over this album is strange. Strange things happen. happen. So I liked that. That was that was good with the with the way there. Hey. So does this uh, does this song have any uh, notable features? Yes. No. Moving on. Yes. <laughs> I, the most interesting thing is the uh, title doesn't actually happen in the song. They mention Lahana, but they don't actually say the word Aloha at all. So it's a very mm. it makes it even less catchy they than cut out the bridge. Yeah. No. So it's so even it's, less it's memorable. So we can choose hello or goodbye. Yeah, I'm saying really. goodbye to Lahana. Let's just move Mahalo. on. Mahalo Thank to you, Mahalo. yet another uh, cover. This is about summer. It's under the boardwalk. boardwalk. I wanna take you, girl, under the boardwalk. I'm gonna take you, girl, under the boardwalk. I wanna take you, girl, under the boardwalk. Oh, when the sun beats down and burns a tire up on the Yeah. I'm not sure why that was necessary. <laughs> wow. That, um, how did they make that song so creepy? Yeah. I mean, this is to R&B what smooth jazz is to jazz. Yeah. Well, you know, we were talking about the the um, you know the, the Love You album. Yeah. About how some of you could take some of those songs to be creepy because you have a middle-aged man, you know, singing about young girls and yeah, sometimes yeah. children, but you know, it is. You, you might say that yeah. about the Red Hot Chili Peppers. For, right, right, sure, uh, sure. But most this of is, their career. But this actually. is, you know, but, but right, but you know, Californication. You can definitely sort of see that maybe Brian just didn't write good lyrics when he's singing about you know holding his daughter, that yeah, sort of yeah. thing, right? It's just sort of like okay, it just wasn't. He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know. But but like like the the whole intro to this song is just it it's kind of. It's it's like serial killer vibe, right? Yeah, it's you very rapey. It's not it's not, it's not pleasant. No. And and I don't know I mean, given their, their desire to be so wholesome, are they just completely I think they just missed the mark. Just missing it you know, they just don't get what they're doing or I guess not. I mean this is this is one of the songs that had the biggest change on the UK version because apparently in the US version they don't have the bridge. And people didn't like that, so they added the bridge for the UK version. So they were like focus grouping this album, which I find odd that no one said, hey, why not make this not stalkery, please? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's it's there's it, it, it could be a generational thing, you know, yeah. like, for, for example, there are things going on in 2021. There's language that we shy away from that would have been pretty normal that people would have said as when I was a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you know, some of it is the connotation has changed, but also your um, realization of um, what you're actually saying has changed as yeah. well. Right. And uh, um, I'm not sure that they, uh, you know, 
but the original doesn't have any of that vibe at all so it's it's not in the lyrics it's in their delivery and i'm not sure what it is that they did but it's not good right right i'm waiting for uh like kanye to start sampling the hell out of this album i think it's ripe for (laughs) well 808s you know yeah he hasn't already (laughs) he might have i don't think yeah maybe (laughs) well you know it probably ran into Mike Love at one of the Trump rallies, and you know they're working yeah, yeah. on the that collaboration that, that, that right now. sound is, oh, uh, yeah, ass, man. So, of the covers, which one is the most? Um, oh, this is unsettling. Yeah, which <laughs> is the most of a, a desecration? Oh, that's yeah, that's. I mean, surfing at least is their own song, so they have right. carte blanche to fuck that up. But they still managed. They did. To, uh, it's no still serving. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, this remember and um, hot fun in the summertime. All. Yeah. That one was whiffs. just kind of impotent. Right. I, I think I think this forgettable. One, this I, is. I think this one has to. Yeah. Takes the cake. huh? This this one. Right. There's yeah. some. Yeah. You know, like this is what. um Today, when people um, say, hey, Boomer, they're pointing at Mike Lowe on this one. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> what is, like, what's it, uh, Every Breath You Take or... Oh, or, yeah, the, or, the police uh, song. Satellite of Love. The greats. There are some amazing stalker songs yeah. that are considerably yeah. less creepy this one than this one somehow. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well, partly because they're self-aware. Yeah. 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 Sting yeah. knew it was a stalker song. Yeah. People who listened didn't know, but Sting knew. Michael was like, I'm writing about a, a great guy. Oh, really, yeah. really awesome dude. He loves the ladies. He knows, yeah. he knows what he's doing. And... Yeah. Uh... They just keep getting younger, and I, yeah. I stay the same age. Wait. A really cool guy who loves the ladies, and they, you know, will love him back eventually. Indeed. Yeah. Did you buy Summer in Paradise? It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> And speaking of, let's go to the title track, Summer in Paradise. Way back when, well, our master plan was having fun, fun, fun as America's band. Well, we came out rocking with Rhonda and Barbara Ann, singing a certain... That's all that's we need of that. That's about enough of that. Yeah. There, there's a... If ever there was a band that had no problem name-checking their own songs and new songs to remind you of how good they used to be, which also reminds you of how crappy they are now, it's the Beach Boys. They've done it a number of times yeah, throughout a, their career. That's a curious move to... Yeah, so we sang I, about Rhonda and Barbara Ann. We had fun, 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 surfing the sand. No, they do that a lot. Yeah, Particularly Mike Love. That's a, a Mike Love thing. It's not a bad thing to do, but I, it's critically important that you don't do it in the middle of a, a shitty song. Well, well yes, that, that helps. <laughs> it also means very few people will cover this tune because they'll look kind of weird. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, remember when we rocked out with Barbara Ann, huh? So, so they were okay. When did when did the Beach Boys become America's band? It was actually with the Ronald Reagan thing because uh, who was it? James, not uh, somebody. 
said they couldn't play the uh, Reagan inauguration or the 4th of July something. And then Reagan himself stepped in and said, no, I know rock and roll is normally just the wrong influence, but Beach Boys are good, wholesome American people. And what was that guy? Yeah, James. Yeah, he wanted to sell the the national parks to big oil. It was 84. Um, I think was, so. Yeah, eighty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. During yeah, the eighties. Oddly um, enough, uh, Dennis had just died, so they had Ringo Starr subbing. Ringo huh. does not remember this and was quite surprised to see photographs of himself playing. Ringo's behind be the, the last Beatle alive. <laughs> I've yeah. said it for years. Yeah, that probably led um, Ringo to get straight. Um, that was part of it. Yes, he did. <laughs> around the yeah, shortly I thereafter, was so fucked up that I ended up performing at <laughs> Reagan's the, inauguration with the Beach Boys. What the, the hell? Beach Boys. It's like, this is, this is, yeah, that's, that's, that could be, could be worse than, you know, learning you were in G.G. Allen's Harry Nilsson <laughs> warned me about that. Yeah. Warned me that that could happen. I, this song does also name check Kokomo, so it's not just the old songs they're talking about. Remember how great we used to be just three years ago? Huh? <laughs> wow. Recently. But it's, it's actually still outselling this album by quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, 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 you know, because, uh. You know, like in in football, America's team is the Dallas Cowboys, right? Yeah. You know, how did they become that? Because the owner said they were. It's you like, say something long enough, the, loud the, enough, the, and right. you, nobody corrects you. They, you win. But is that a you know? It's like um, you know, I I I think there's a a lot of reasons to like you know these North American countries like yeah. the United States. But um, um, is that a really like is that a positive value to put on to claim right is that just braggadocio or some sort of like trying to tap into the patriotic crowd um yeah well I mean, you of, know um, there was a time when they had several south africans in the band but you know no one talks about that and there was a band called america that they were english oddly enough yeah yeah there is, um, well you know there's yeah. certain Poetic justice to that, I suppose. Um, was Kansas from Kansas? Well, UK was, was Asia from Asia. English, so. <laughs> was Europe from Europe? Uh, uh, yes, no, yes. Okay. <laughs> there you go for three hundred points. But this is another song about how we need to save the environment. So, They're not very specific about what actions we need to take. Just stop being mean to the environment. Which you know, I, I agree, but yeah, you got to be a little more specific. That's got some like '90s R&B vibes to it, doesn't well, it? There's a reason why that song doesn't sound like the rest of the album. That's not really a Beach Boys song. I mean, it's a cover of a Beach Boys song, but it's a cover by Jesse and the Rippers. It's, it's different producer, different musicians. Yeah, it was just. This is the thing that the album, more than anything else, is known for is its connection to Full House and John Stamos. John Stamos. We've been dancing around it, but this is where we have to dive into the Stamos of it all. Yeah. Okay, so um, why don't we... um, Who is John Stamos? Well, in the early 80s, after Ringo left, John Stamos was the touring drummer 
for the Beach Boys. Then he became cast as one of the lead actors on the show Full House playing Uncle Jesse. And in some sort of symbiotic, parasitic relationship, Mike Love and John Stamos both tried to eke as much out of the other as possible. And so the Beach Boys would show up on Full House all the time. John Stamos would show up on the Beach Boys all the time, each trying to ride the other's coattails in some sort of weird circle jerk. (laughs) Yeah. And And it continues to this day. If you go see the officially licensed Beach Boys, which is just Mike Love and Bruce Johnston, John Stamos is as likely as not to show up and play. Wow. What I about, forgot what, that they had a whole Gallagher thing going on. With yeah. That. <laughs> what, what about the reboot of Full House? Is, are the Beach Boys show up on that? I've not watched it. I didn't even want to watch the original Full House, but um, <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yes. Back back in the days when there was only like three and a half channels on, I did see some Full House. but And that's the one with the Olsen twins. Yes. yes and, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I don't watch the reboot is they don't have the Olsen twins. Well, what would be the point? Really? Exactly. But yes, I, I would be very surprised given how the reboot is nothing but winking nods to the old show that the Beach Boys aren't mentioned half dozen times well yeah that's that is a that is a strange mix um you know sort of a a uh, well i guess you know the sort of wholesome family show sort of thing yeah um and then uh i i can't um who was the the lead in that sh- that series there's um, bob saget yeah bob saget yeah i i, I uh the, the the only thing i really know about bob saget is that when he would do his stand-up comedy um he would be really aggressively vulgar um, to try and compensate compensate yeah for the wholesome image image of full house yeah um but um fantastic stand-up bob sack yeah (laughs) so go go check out some of his so and you know there's a long history of comedians ending up as uh you know yeah uh, leading leading you should see dave coulier's act good god oh and i hear bill cosby is much much worse you know when he's not on the cosby show yeah (laughs) now now uh now uncle uncle jesse that john stamos is um uh there there is a tradition of of musicians being in sitcoms too yeah from you know ozzy and harriet you know having ricky nelson as their kid right right but Um, yeah on the show, Uncle Jesse was a musician in a band called Jesse and the Rippers, and there was a lot of, yeah, hmm. this sh- episode is two minutes too short. Let's throw in a Jesse and the Rippers tune. Well, as far as a, as a rock band goes, I can't imagine something that would give you less credibility. Well, that's just it. Neither audience, Full House or America's band, the Beach Boys, had any interest in the other which is why their constant desire to try and, you know, milk each other's presence I mean, it, is weird. It depends on what kind of residuals uh, yeah. Mike but, was getting checks for. So Yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, yeah. It could have worked out great. You're right. Maybe they were just, um, you know, patting each other's. But this bottoms. is not a song that Mike Love wrote. Oddly enough, this is a song that Dennis, the dead drummer, wrote. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, have you listened to the original? No, I have no. not. Okay. Now, surfing. They can desecrate that all they want. The original Forever, classic. One of the best songs the Beach Boys ever did. This is sacrilege. This is horrendous. Go listen to the original. It's off the 1970 album Sunflower. 
It's like the best song they did in the 70s. Mm. When, when I first saw the title, I was hoping it, it was a, a weird uh, uh, a Pete Drake cover, but nah. no. No, it's, it's a Beach Boys cover. And, and that's how we end the album, because, you know, Mike Love thinks that Full House is the best thing the Beach Boys have going for him. Forget Pet Sounds, forget yeah. Brian Wilson. This is the thing that, and to some degree he is right. There is a generation of, you know, young adults for whom the Beach Boys are the full house band. Yeah, that's, that's, um, wow. That's, you know, people give, give, um, you know, Ice-T a lot of shit for playing a cop on TV, but th- this is, um, th- I don't know. I mean, it's all it's all crass, right? You're you're, yeah. you're you know you're you're there as an actor making money, right? That's that's kind of the the gig that you got, and hopefully the product is something that you're not ashamed of. Yeah. Um. I I you know, I don't know. I haven't been tempted with being on a shitty sitcom. Um. <laughs> so I can't say that I would have the the moral. Um, the Violet Femmes were on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah. So. See, that was a better show than Full they, House. Yeah, that's right? true. You know, that's not saying like, much. But it's like, I mean, this better is a show, better band. This is <laughs> yeah. about this is about his low brow, right? Um, you know, it, it's basically a, a children's television, but not in a prime time. Yeah, you know, this ain't no Pee Wee's Playhouse, right? This is this is something that is that is about as, uh, um, you know. Is there is there a worse show in terms of a sitcom? I mean, obviously it was popular, it is, like uh, you know maybe Friends or something. I mean, well, in terms it is of certainly its popular vapidness. Um, uh, the goal back when there were only three channels, four channels, is you, you didn't have to be well liked. What you needed to be is liked by as many people yeah, as possible. Yeah, yeah. You didn't have to be liked well, or but you know liked. if you were more popular than the other two shows on at that time, you won. So being as all inclusive but inoffensive as possible was the goal. Yeah, yeah. And they were very, very good at that. Whether or not that's a good thing, they were very good at appealing to everyone. Yeah, so I suppose, yeah, you know, they 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 did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. But that was not a good thing. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I there's just something about um look, I know I know that that uh, you can you, um, well, I don't know about the two of you. I assume yeah. that you have certain attitudes as well, but I, I, you know, that, that there's one of the appeals of, uh, to rock and roll and it is, it is a bit of a lie yeah. is that, that, um, you're, you're into something, um, that, that's kind of running against the grain a little bit, you know, it's, Anti-establishment. Some, right, it's something that pisses off your parents and, and you kind of miss, you, you kind of, you know, overlook the fact that you're being spoon fed this sort of by a thing. large corporation. Right, that's, by a, yeah. Exactly. But, but at the same time, it's like, this is, this is part of what they're missing is yeah. like, like that. How, how are you going to appeal to somebody? Well, if, if it's, if it's, if it's what, um, it's not just what your parents would accept. It's like what your grandparents would accept. Yeah. As, yeah. As, uh, as you know, you, you don't have to say fuck you and show the middle finger all the time, but you, you kind of do need to, um, some sort of attitude. That, right? yeah. Right, you know? yeah. I mean, this is an interesting point you brought up, Matt, because I mean, in the time we're living in now and, and maybe in the early nineties, there's a little bit of a parallel with this, but if rock and roll is supposed to rub against the grain as, as, uh, just general culture in, in America is skewing more liberal than does the, the fuck you middle finger come from skewing more conservative, a little bit and and won't there be people trying to cash in on 
on that a little, you know, perhaps that's yeah. kind of what's going on with, with Michael of is yeah, that, well, and that's, that's just it. You know, he would, he's happy to be on full house, but he wanted to be, you know, get Bart Simpson too. whatever was popular. If, you know, saying yeah. Calabunga dude and eat my shorts is popular. I'm all for it. Don't care. Whatever well, sells. The, the Sim- I mean, in 92, like, uh, the Simpsons were still not hated. But, I mean, it was very, very popular. But the initial reaction to the Simpsons was like, "This is the beginning of the the end, uh, of, the, civilization. The end of civilization." Oh yeah, there was there was a there was a right wing reaction because it's whole thing, car, right? it's cartoons and someone said, "Damn, yeah, yeah." They wouldn't let um you know kids wear the shirt because it was a bad yeah, under yeah underachiever yeah. and proud of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh that's no, a, I'm sure Satan's involved <laughs> somehow. He right, right. usually is. Yeah, and that's you know, and that probably is why the Simpsons, you know, especially more earlier on, was where they were a little more. Um, well, yeah, when you only had three options. This was the closest to anti-establishment the TV had to offer, period. Right, right. I mean, even if you had cable, you were lucky to see anything. But, but, you know, there is, I think, a big difference, though, between, you know, letting your freak flag fly, whatever, whatever those colors happen to be. You know, and saying, you know, saying, fuck you, I'm going to fly my flag. That's different than saying, fuck you. I don't care about your feelings. I'm going to piss all over you. Those are yeah. those are like one's an aggressive move of power. Yeah. And the other one is, is one is uh, selfish you, and the other is right. Right. Self-centered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, and, and which I don't, is slightly you know, different. And I don't know is, you know, I don't I'm not, I don't want to put words in Mike Love's mouth, but I just don't you know, I don't think it is a like. You know, maybe maybe it is sort of a like that. Maybe I take it back. I think maybe you're right. Maybe that is his version of lashing back against a culture. Yeah, it's right. a reactionary move based right, right. on what's going on at the time. Because and he I, still has his his tenets, which is you know save the economy yeah. or ecology, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he, well, yeah. increase my personal economy, yeah. and uh, <laughs> yeah. you know let's all meditate. So I mean, he's not yeah, yeah. a complete right wing, but you know. There's a lot going on there. And, the, you know, I've never been uh, very wealthy, so my opinions on certain things might change. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it tends to change people's morals. As sure it they, does, yeah. You as know, one would hope. Get, get more money. Um, yeah, I, I just even as a kid, I remember I, I couldn't put my finger on it, and I, I didn't know how to describe it then, but it just shows like, shows like Full House really did come across as kind of like fashy yeah, like way more except the norm dark than well, and the whole conceit of the show is, isn't it wacky that the men are doing the women's work? Yeah, exactly. Like that's the subtext, and it's like that's a back. That's a regressive idea. That's not. And it's then, not and then you have a Jesse and the Rippers, is it? Yep. Yeah. To sort it's of very make it cool. It's very yeah. Disney. It's very. Yeah. We're gonna have this wholesome thing, but we're gonna have some. Absolutely rigid, uh, um, uh, heteronormative, like, yeah, d- gender politics and 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 race theory kind of things baked in on a very fundamental record, or, you know, on this on this level that's kind Not of subliminal, spoken. yeah. But and, and then it's like, and then we're gonna play it on a, a nonstop loop for children, and it's like, oh, that's incredibly dark. That's like maybe dangerous for the world. Maybe we shouldn't do that. And, you know, the fact that the rest of it is so meticulously constructed to have broad appeal is like extra creepy. Yeah. But, and, but you know, I guess <laughs> I guess the the uh, you know, the hope. Yeah. The hope in all of this is that that um, despite their best efforts, um, you know, assuming that's part of that machine, um, this went over like a lead balloon. Exactly. Um, you know, um, people didn't want it. 
Well, I could see that. But um, yeah, but but you know, but it could just be a lack of uh But yeah, I don't think the reason other people didn't like it and the reason I don't like it are completely unrelated. Right, right. Yeah. There's there's okay, so is there other than this podcast? Yeah. Is there a reason for especially given its rarity, yeah, for anyone to seek out this record and listen to it? It's good to compare and contrast, sort of let you, in in some way, it lets you know how good the rest of the Beach Boys are by seeing how, especially Brian, lets you know what Brian adds by taking him away, which I guess sort of can lead us to our ultimate question is, what are the similarities between the Beach Boys Love You and Summer in Paradise? Mm. I think both have a very 80s sound, despite the fact one came out in 77 and one came out in 92. Yeah, but one, right, right, they do. One is, one is kind of a, um, a cliche of the sound. Yeah. Or one other, predated yeah. it, one postdated right, it, right. but yes, they are both. So, both, both are pretty compelling cautionary tales. Yes. With different both have lots and <laughs> lots of synthesizers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, but, you know, that is. Right, that, but to contrast those, the synthesizers on on um, Brian's album are are um, they're not simulacra. They're not trying to mimic uh, necessarily the the exact sound of other instruments, or even the exact sound of other hits of other of hits. Yeah, th- yeah. I'm era, pretty yeah. sure that Beck has been ripping off the the bass synth sound from Love You. <laughs> I could see that, yeah. That's sort of time. farty. Yeah. And it's great. It's, no, yeah. It's when used appropriately. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's a, yeah. Well, right. I mean, and there were other 80s, you know, synth stuff that didn't yeah. have some of those sounds in them, right? I mean, yeah. there was a very limited number of synths anyway. Well, but isn't the, that, yeah. I mean, there's uh, the risk you run following the full house template, Disney template of yes. offend no one. Um, you know, broad appeal thing is that if if you it, there's a razor's edge between having the broadest appeal possible and being completely forgettable. Yeah, and I, I think this tips right over the edge and off the cliff into nobody cares because it's it deliberately forgettable. It's yeah. deliberately average and sound derivative and yeah. Well, yeah, and even even um, the. The D.D. King record, you know, I, I think I mentioned that I, I could see the possibility that, uh, you know, one or two of those songs could have been hits. And, and we know that one of them actually did become a hit for the, the Ramones, you know, a, a Ramones Later, level yeah. hit. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, a, a, you know, a different recording, but the same song. I mean, can, can you see any of these? No. Like, like, like if with proper promotion, all of that, you know, the no, uh, they promoted company, the hell out of this and nothing. Yeah. Hit. And, and yeah, the. Well, and going back to Logan's point where we're trying to appeal to as many people as possible and that fails, I think Beach Boys Love You, on the other hand, is trying to just please yourself and not caring what anyone else thinks and being so insular can also have that same effect if you're not connected enough to but time right, at least I think, aware, I think time yeah. is kinder to the one where you're well, I think, you're doing it for yeah. yourself and, and you won't have a massive broad appeal necessarily. Yeah, but, but with some context and time, there's some really amazing gems on Love You that are just kind of weird and quirky, but that's what's great about them. Yeah. And that, if there was any weird 
idiosyncratic stuff going on on this album, it was uh, with a couple of clicks yeah. uh, removed. Yeah. Well, and that's just it. If you feel like Brian does, most people don't, which is why it doesn't appeal to a large audience. But if you feel like Brian does and you hear Love You, you will connect with that hard. But even if this was massively popular, no one would feel really connected to it. Much the same way that, you know, everyone remembers Kokomo, but nobody loves it like they love God Only Knows or Good Vibrations. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, I think you're right, too, about the, the Brian's lack of connection to, you know, enough of a connection to what was happening on the outside. Yeah. Because I think it is it is a it is quite possible. I mean, when you're in that industry and you're, you're afforded the opportunity to make records and the like, you can do things that that please yourself, but also are, you know, do take in commercial considerations. Yeah. Right. You know, and not not in a sort of a crass, you know, business executive sort of way. Right. Yeah, but, but, but it's like, like, no, I want to, I want to sell records. I want more people to hear what I'm doing. Right. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. So, so, um, and, and that is, that's clearly that potentiality was clearly there with that album. Yeah. And not with this one. So in summary, I think we've, uh, of the two beach boys albums, know which one won. <laughs> yeah. This one rules. Yeah, <laughs> summer in paradise, y'all. I'm really hoping that some of our listeners will we're, we're disagree with us and correct our mistakes. This is the summer of summer of paradise. It's a summer, the summer, yeah, summer of paradise. Summer. There were way he. They, they changed the title back then, but yeah. it, originally it was 2021, oh, the yeah. summer of paradise. Exactly. He was way ahead. So. Uh, is there any last thoughts about the Beach Boys until we, you know, next summer of August or August oh, of summer? Before I forget, um, we mentioned uh, Dennis Wilson and his association with uh, Charlie Manson um, and all that. Um, and uh, you should uh, go and listen to the You Must Remember This podcast. They did a whole season about um, Manson, and there's an entire episode dedicated to uh, uh, Dennis Wilson and his uh, um, interaction with the the family and Charles Manson, hmm. and it's great. It's a fantastic podcast if you like anything musical or old old Hollywood, um, in Hollywood and LA stuff in general. But that season is great if you're interested in that sort of thing, and particularly the just yeah the the whole Dennis Wilson thing is both sad and interesting and tragic and weird and. The darker side of Laurel Canyon. Yep. Um, yeah. With um, oh one one thing, I just wanted to ask both of you before we end this episode is um, is there do we feel any irony or or um, strangeness that um, um, Brian's the only one left alive? That yeah, I wouldn't put money on that back in '77, but he's still alive. I mean, I don't know how much he's there, but he's still alive. Oh. Yeah, that's weird. I, somebody somebody made a whole lot of money on a on a, on a pool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, I I kept betting on Scott Weiland to die for years and well, years think, and I losing think, uh, money. Yeah, Carl Carl died of uh, lung cancer. Yeah, not long after this album, like yeah, and five then, or six uh, years. And then Dennis, what was it? Drug overdose or uh, he drowned. Drowned. Yeah. Ironically, yes. was it death by misadventure? Like yeah, a, I think that's the uh, the coroner's official uh, report. Yeah, 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 that's the uh, that's how um, Brian Jones Brian actions. Jones, yeah. 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 <laughs> like a, yeah. So, um, hmm. yeah. 
Well, you know, keep going strong, Brian. Make yeah. And he's still yeah, out yeah. touring with Al Jardine. Well, you know, Mike has Bruce, so, you know. Oh, so they're the unofficial Beach Boys? Yeah, well, they tour as Brian Wilson, but it's Brian Wilson featuring Al Jardine and one of the South African members, Blondie Chaplin's touring with them, too. So huh, they technically be, have more Beach Boys yeah. than the Beach Boys, but, you yeah, know. That might be. It's a good show. Worth seeing if they came to town. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not exactly the most energetic on stage performer, but the band is really good. <laughs> and I guess with that, we'll uh, wrap it up this week. Is there anything we want to plug? Hell no. Well, <laughs> no, we've, we've, we've plugged our shit. Our, uh... <laughs> so uh, tune in next episode when we'll try and figure out who this is. Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder. It's the truth. It's actual. Everything is satisfactory.